Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have another horrific guest. He's a 3L at Georgetown Law, recently holding internships as a summer associate at Davis Polk and Wardwell LLP, as well as being a judicial intern at the United States District Court for the Eastern District of New York for Judge Gary R. Brown. As well, he's a former professional baseball player being selected in the 17th round by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the 2019 MLB draft. Nick Grande, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Hey, Nate, I'm great. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Really excited about this. I appreciate you having, it, having me on, and I'm sure it'll be a great conversation. No problem. No problem. Now, Nick, before we get started, can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? <laughs> sure. I mean, you did a pretty good job of it right there, but I'm Nick Grande. I'm a 3L at Georgetown Law. Uh, I'm from Smithtown, New York on Long Island. I played high school basketball with both of Nate's brothers, uh, <laughs> Nick and Chris. I uh, went to Stony Brook University on Long Island, um, as Nate said, played baseball there and a little bit in the minor leagues. And now I'm at I'm at Georgetown Law. Yeah, so first, sh- shout out to Nick and Chris. Yep. <laughs> two brothers. N- Nick was fortunate enough to play basketball with them. For, for me, I've known Nick Grande for a very long time. He's known me for a very long time. Um, I was just very young, though. I was I don't I don't know how many years older or older you are, but I was probably like seven when we first met. Um, yeah, you, you definitely didn't have that facial hair. at that time. <laughs> No, I didn't. The beard was definitely not there. It's a new thing to him trying it out. Looks uh, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. I need I need that confidence boost. I need to let myself know the beard looks good. Um, but I just like to say before anything is that you were truly the inspiration of this podcast. I have to say you were like when people would at when I would tell people about I'm starting a podcast, I'm doing this whole thing. You know, there is no straight path to law school, that sort of thing. They asked me, oh, like, what's an example of that? And I'm like, well, I know this guy. And he went to go play baseball. He got drafted into major leagues. And now he's at Georgetown Law. And I always told it was the same story I told everyone every time. So I just want to let you know that <laughs> you truly were like one of the big inspirations of this podcast. And it's very, very thank God for your existence. Because <laughs> who knows, this podcast may, may not be there. So let's start talking about you here. Uh, so you went to Stony Brook 2016, graduating 2020 played D1 baseball. Were you thinking about law school at all when you were in college? Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting path for me because I always kind of had a feeling that law school would be um, my plan after college. Um, And going into my freshman year at Stony Brook, that was kind of the more likely plan than playing professional baseball. That, that, That kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, you always... You always have confidence in yourself and and set high goals for yourself. But going into my Stony Brook career, I never would have expected to be a draft pick after my junior season. So law school was really my plan A um, from the start of college. Uh, And then obviously my my baseball career took off a little bit um, in my first few years at Stony Brook. But yeah, I I had always planned to, to go to law school and then once, once the draft became, you know, a possibility and then eventually, you know, a, a likelihood during my junior season, um, it got, got pushed back a little bit. But even with that, that was always my post-baseball plan was to go to law school. 
I think it's just crazy that your plan A was not to go to the major leagues. I'm a little shocked right now because I'm just imagining myself in that sort of position. It's like I'm coming into college. I want to go to law school. It's like, oh, now I'm going to the major league baseball. It's like I can't. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that right now, but I I can't. That's that's well, you know, me. every level you play at, there's always different challenges. And so, you know. As a, a high school player, your goal is to be a starter in high school and to contribute to the team there. And then you get to Stony Brook and you just want to get playing time at Stony Brook. You're not thinking too far ahead because then, you, you know, you'll lose your focus on what's next. So really, as a freshman, my my goal was to to become a starter at Stony Brook. I not, you know, my goal wasn't to be a, an MLB draft pick. It, it was kind of just a one day at a time kind of thing. So um, but like I said, you know, it took off a little bit, but but it was really um, it was unexpected. Um at least from the beginning. It just 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 through your words, I can already tell you you have the perfect sort of mindset for law school because you you're never looking too far ahead, which is which is always a good thing. Um and you're always keeping on task with the thing in front of you. I could already tell. But so you get drafted in the MLB, you know, you, you go to the minor leagues, and then you decide to go to Georgetown. Can you kind of describe You can describe your time in the minor leagues, how that kind of sort of was and how kind of your decision to finally move away and finally go to law school. Describe what went into that decision and kind of the events leading up to it. Yeah, sure. So after my junior season, I got drafted by the Diamondbacks and it was kind of a no brainer for me to to leave school and and go kind of see what that experience held. Um, I had accomplished a lot at Stony Brook, done more than I could have ever, you know, expected to do there. So it was worth it for me to go and see what, you know, minor league baseball had in store for me. And, and that was a great experience too. Um, I played at two different levels in the Diamondbacks organization. I played for the rookie ball team in Montana and the low A team at the time in Hillsboro, Oregon. Got to see a lot of the country I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Got to play with teammates from all over the world. Um, it was a challenging experience, but a really good learning experience for me. Um, but by the end of that first season, I kind of knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. Um, I have a lot of respect for people who do stick with it long term. It's not an easy lifestyle. Um, but, you know, it was time for me to to move on from the game and go back to school uh, fortunately, when I got drafted, I was about a semester ahead as far as credits go. So I was able to go back to school the following spring and, and graduate in 2020. And, um, you know, as I said before, law school was always my post-baseball plan. Uh, but because of everything with baseball, the, the years leading up to that point, I hadn't studied for the LSAT. I hadn't taken the LSAT. I hadn't done a lot of the the things you need to do before you go to law school. So graduated in 2020 and kind of took that year to study, take the test, apply to schools. Um, you know, by the end of the year, I had sent all my applications out. And then the following year decided on Georgetown. Um, I actually grew up a Georgetown basketball fan. You can ask my friends from high school. They probably know that about me. Um, one of the few Georgetown basketball fans on Long Island. But <laughs> So that wasn't the only reason I chose Georgetown. Obviously, it's a great uh, law school and the basketball team hasn't been great since I've been there. But um, yeah, that's where I decided to go and, and very happy with the decision. I've, I've really loved my time there so far. So I have to ask, this is more of a personal question, but in sort of, I'm not sure if, if it was your dream to go to the MLB, but like in, in leaving and walking away from it, did you feel like that was a risk 
Like, did you, what kind of, what was kind of your mindset in, into sort of like, am I maybe giving up on my dream, you know? Yeah, it, it's tough to kind of put into words exactly the mindset at that point. It was a very crazy time, um, very difficult decision, a lot of factors to consider. Um, but for me, you know, I think every little kid who plays baseball says it's their dream to play in the major leagues. And, you know, obviously it was something that I dreamed about too. But for me specifically, growing up on Long Island, my goal was to, first of all, have a great career at Smithtown West. My dad was a high school baseball coach. I grew up on high school baseball fields at his practices. I thought that was the coolest thing ever to be a, you know, a good player at Smithtown West. And then, you know, being, being the local kid at Stony Brook University, um, that was my dream was to be a great player at Stony Brook and represent Long Island on the field there. So, um, you know, once I got to minor leagues, obviously that's, you know, an incredible accomplishment, something I'm very proud of. But by the end of that season, I had really accomplished everything and more that I had ever wanted to in the game of baseball. So I wouldn't say it was a risk. I felt comfortable with what I had accomplished and I felt, you know, excited about what the future held. I I wholeheartedly appreciate your immense love for Long Island because <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like I, you love Long Island just as much as I do. Um, it's a beautiful place. People always hate. Um, yes. But even even your Smithtown West pride, it still stands today, which is <laughs> which is amazing. If for those out there listening, we both went to Smithtown West High School. Shout out shout out to all the people over there because they're great people. Got me through high school very well. Got me to a very nice college, SUNY Albany. So I can't I can't complain about that. But I think I think it's 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 great to hear from you and from myself just personally because I think you you sort of with your baseball decision deciding to go to law school you you were very realistic about it and it, I know just from my personal experience in in just life in general which I haven't had that much life anyway. But in the short life experience that I have, there's always this very big tension between, you know, sort of the reality of the situation and the sort of dreams that are beyond reality. So I think, you know, you, you kind of made that pros and cons list and kind of wrote it out and was like, you know, what's the best decision for five years from now? And realistically, because I, I think, like you said, there's so many levels to it. Like, you know, my brother, you know, Chris, but my brother, Chris, he obviously played Division two basketball. And, and he always talks about the levels of the game that, you know, going from Division two to Division one is a huge jump. You know, you get you think some guy in D2 is a freak athlete. You know, no, check out the di guy in D1. He could jump out the gym and, and you know, shooting 50 percent from three. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's and that I think that sort of analogy exists everywhere. And it's always important for myself and clearly it was for you to keep in mind that, you know, the sort of levels you get into, like the stakes get higher, the people get bigger, they get faster, they get stronger. So I, I commend your decision, really, because I obviously it's been a very good decision for you. And just looking on the outside, I mean, listen, you go to Georgetown Law School. So let's talk about Georgetown Law School. Can other other than you being a Georgetown basketball fan, what what were some other factors going into the decision to go to Georgetown? Yeah, so I, I wanted to stay relatively close to home. Um, I don't think I applied anywhere further south than DC um, in relation to Long Island. Um, but you know, at the same time, I like I said, I went to Stony Brook, so I was 
I didn't live at home, but I was pretty much home for college and I wanted to, you know, be in a different place. And I think, as you know, the law school schedule is demanding and, and there's always something to do. And it can be easier if you're away from family and friends um, to, to be able, so you don't have to worry about saying no to doing things and you're kind of able to just prioritize whatever you need to do um, as far as law school goes. So DC, as far as location, was just the perfect fit. Um, being close to home, you know, it's an easy train ride um, back home for the holidays or anytime I need to, to be home for anything, but far enough where I have my own space and, and I'm able to take care of what I need to do. And, um, you know, aside from that, Georgetown's a great school, um, awesome professors. You know, I think one cool thing about Georgetown is that, you know, a lot of the professors have very, very interesting professional backgrounds. Um, you know, I remember when I was considering Georgetown, I had an alumni tell me like, you may have a professor who's teaching your class on Tuesday and then you know, testifying at a congressional hearing Wednesday, or is a guest on, you know, CNN or Fox on Thursday, you know, it's, it's just a very impressive uh, faculty and a very impressive body of alumni. Um, and that, that really drew me to, to Georgetown too. So really just the prestige of the school and, and also the location um, were two of the biggest things for me. I like that you started when you started talking about law school, how rig rigorous it, it can be that you said that as I know, I actually don't know anything about it. But I've talked to more than enough to people to get as traumatic and scared about it as 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 I may want to in in my mind. <laughs> so let's talk about your personal experience. Let's talk about the first year. It's always the most traumatic for everyone. What is it as traumatic as everyone says? <laughs> I don't think traumatic would be the word. Um, <laughs> it's definitely an adjustment. You know, I think for me, you know, I, I'm very I'm very adamant in that athletes and, and st former student athletes, um, I think are slightly more prepared for situations like that than others, just because, you know, I think the biggest adjustment in my life as far as routine was from senior year of high school to freshman year of college, because you go from being a senior in high school where, I, you know, I'm leaving school after fifth period, you know, and not, not that I'm not working hard or doing what I'm supposed to do, but it's just a completely different, you know, it, it's a dream world, senior year of high school. But then freshman year of college, especially as a student athlete, you know, my schedule was class from nine to 12 practice from one to four, lift from four to five, class from seven to nine, and then do it again Monday through Friday. So I think being a former student athlete, I was kind of prepared for that type of routine, knowing that morning till night, pretty much, at least Monday through Friday, you know, you, you're going to have to be focused on what you need to do and, and set your priorities straight. Um, so thankfully, based on that experience and, you know, my professional baseball experience, um, I was used to kind of that rigorous routine. And that's why I think, you know, athletes and student athletes in particular have a bit of, a, of an advantage going into situations like this. Um, but, you know, I think the best advice I got going into law school was worry about yourself as much as you can. Law school is is much more overwhelming when you know, you're listening to what other people are saying, oh, this person has, you know, read three weeks in advance or <laughs> is already starting their outline or, you know, has a job lined up two summers from now. Like, you know, you, you hear murmurs about those things and who knows what's true and what's not. And if you take it too seriously or, or worry too much about what other people are doing, then it can get overwhelming. But it, to the to the extent, the greatest extent possible that you can focus on yourself and what what you need to do, um, you'll be in a much better spot. I mean, that's that's spectacular advice. I'm going to be taking that for myself. Keep to yourself in law school, says Nick Grande. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and I and I think going back to to your previous previous points about being a student athlete, um, you know, my two brothers play college sports. I was actually talking to one of my good friends yesterday. He plays a Division One volleyball, and he was telling me about how just how big of a commitment it is, and you know, you know, his day starting at seven a.m. going all the way to seven p.m. You know, having practice, having lifts, having to go to class. There's just so much to it. It's such a big commitment, and I think. making it analogous to law school as as it's sort of like your job you know this this is what i'm showing up to allowing you know to keep keep to yourself as well i think it's just very good advice going all around now after your first semester and getting into that winter period how, how was that winter period like i i i'm i want to i'm i'm trying to get into what 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 sort of the experience after that first semester cuz i feel like a little bit of weight is off but you know the pressure is still sort of on can you describe that Yeah, I mean that that time of year is is kind of where you're waiting for grades to come out. So it is it is a stressful period. I think at least for us, we we get grades back like the middle of January. So you know it's definitely a weight off once you get through that exam period. But that's kind of the time of year where you know you wake up in the morning and the first thing you're you're thinking about is when those grades are coming back, uh, especially after your first semester. But at the same time, that's also um, you know, a, a common time of year to be applying for and, and interviewing for your, your 1L summer job. So that's why that's, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges of 1L fall is that, you know, you have to worry about your grades and, and you know, that, that 1L fall, the, the grades in that semester are kind of what are going to carry you through the following summer. But at the same time, you're sending out job applications and maybe even taking interviews for the following summer. There's, there's, there's so much going on at that point. And, you know, it's almost like you, I look back at it now and you wonder how you, you really got through it, uh, you know, like you did. Um, but yeah, it's a stressful time. And, and anytime you get through the final exam period and you're home for the holidays or you have a break, it's, it's definitely a weight off. Um, But it, it it does take a little bit of time for that stress to wear off because you're so you're so used to waking up and going to the library and spending, you know, all day in the library studying and then taking exams. So um, it takes a little bit of time for that to wear off. But but the breaks are always nice. Yeah, hearing all this, I'm 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 still forever blessed to still be in college. Um, I'm ready for the challenge of law school, but uh, you know, not not having to wake up and go to the library. I could go to like the gym or something. Uh, like that. It's nice right now, but when I get to law school, I know I'll be ready for it. I have to ask though, the can you kind of talk about the internship process? I know summer internships, but it, this is this is great for, for for sort of the audience because it's very fresh in your memory. I know uh, the previous couple episodes, I've had people that are like a year or two out of law school, but you you know this happened only two years ago so can you kind of discuss what goes into the interview process you know getting an internship finding the internships even like where do i start Yeah, it seems like it should be fresh in my memory, but in, in law school years, two years ago feels like ten years ago. So I'll do my best to uh, to, to remember. But so from the advice I got, it seemed like um, you want to have the majority of your applications sent out, if not by the end of the year um, in one L fall, like. by the end of December, um, at least like around the time before you get back to school for, for the spring semester. Um, and then it depends the type of job you're applying to. Uh, government jobs often take a while to hear back from. Um, judicial internships, it, it really depends on the judge. Some try to hire early, some it could be as late as, you know, March, April, you know, 
uh, in, in that spring semester. So it's very dependent on what you're looking for. Um, I had a family friend who um, was a judicial intern his 1L summer in the Eastern District of New York um, with a different judge than who I interned for, but he helped walk me through the process and um, he really enjoyed that internship, spoke very highly of like the value of being a judicial intern for a law school student, especially someone like me who was leaning towards doing litigation work in the future. Um, so I really, I pretty much sent out an application to like every single judge in the Eastern <laughs> District of New York. Um, but I will say I, I had heard very good things about the judge who I ended up interning for. And if I had to choose, that's who I would have picked if, if I had that choice hypothetically. But so I was very happy to hear back from um, the clerks in his courthouse. And if I remember correctly, it was like maybe end of February, early March that I heard back and had an in interview and was offered the position and, and was very excited about that. It was kind of the best of both worlds for me because um, Eastern District of New York has two courthouses, one in Brooklyn and one in Central Islip, which is right on Long Island. And this judge was out of the Central Islip courthouse. So it was a it was a very good position for me to put on my resume as a learning experience, but also it was close to home. I was able to live at home on Long Island my 1L summer and, and save some money in that way, but also <laughs> have a really good learning experience. So I have two things. First, the the Central Isa building. I I went there this summer actually, part of my internship. We took a tour. We met um we met Judge Bianca. Do you know who that mm -hmm. is? Oh yep. I I know he's not listening, but like one day I need to meet that guy and talk to him. Cause he's unbelievable. He's like he's like he was like he was like one of the most perfect human beings. I know there's no perfect human beings, but this guy, like the nicest person. He has like seven kids. He has an he has an uh, adopted um, special needs child as well from like China. Like this, oh my goodness! I just I love that guy so much. Did you meet him? I did meet him very briefly, but he everybody you know you hear from has oh, has yeah. nothing but great things to say about him. Oh, he is amazing. But let's talk about your judge, not to gush about Mr. Bianca, but. Let's talk about your experience. What did you, what did you do there? How was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Give us the right. Oh, I, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. It was awesome. It was, you know, if I could recommend to um, a first year law student, you know, what what one L summer position they should apply for, especially litigation based, it would be a judicial internship. And and Judge Brown was incredible. I was very fortunate to learn from him and work with him and his clerks at the time were uh, very helpful. Um, I learned so much, like so much. <laughs> um, and it's it, it, being a judicial intern is just very valuable because you see behind the scenes, right? You, you, you see what judges think about briefs that are written and submitted. You see what, how judges react to certain arguments that are made in court. Um, and for somebody who's going to be a lawyer in the near future, that's very valuable to see what works and what doesn't in the courtroom. And, you know, one of Judge Brown's uh, most valuable pieces of advice was, you know, as, as a law student, you kind of you learn even more from watching bad lawyering than you do <laughs> from watching good lawyering, because you see what to, what to stay away from in the courtroom and what to, you know, what, what to avoid and what doesn't really go over so well in the, in the eyes of the judge. So um, now it was, it was an awesome experience. And, um, you know, that during that summer, that's, you know, speaking of having a lot going on at once. That's kind of also the timeline for applying to two L summer jobs, which 
is crazy to think of, but you know, July, August, that's when you're sending out your applications, especially, especially if you want to work um, private at a, you know, a big law firm. So um, the judges clerks were, were very helpful in putting together and, and submitting my applications and interview prep for that. So overall, it was just a really, really valuable uh, experience that I, I look back on a lot and, and, and some of the things I learned. So I hear that the law clerks are helping you. And that has something to do with something I like to talk about networking. Can you describe your networking experience? How has it been? And uh, how important is it or has it been to your sort of professional experience so far? Yeah, networking is really important. And, it, you know, I can't say exactly how much it's paid off yet, but it's it, like you say, it's a long term thing. You you just want to make as many relationships, have as many conversations as you can. Um, and and that sets yourself up for for down the road. And so my networking networking experience so far was mostly occurred um leading up to that 2L summer application period where, you know, I was considering different firms I wanted to apply for. And I would look at the the list of staff and I would look for either Stony Brook grads or Georgetown law grads and just cold emailing people and, and having phone conversations with whoever would answer. And, you know, how do you like your firm? How do you like the work you do? Um, you know, let's keep in touch, that sort of thing. And that that's really what you need to do as a law student. It, it's really on you. Um, you can not network at all and, and see where that takes you, or you can kind of, um, you know, take, make it a priority to reach out and, and to, to put together a list of, of relationships and people that hopefully will, will pay off in the future. And, and like you said, for example, the clerks in my judicial internship, you know, the people I met this past summer at the firm, you, you never know how those conversations and those relationships will help you later on in life. And, and, you know, especially in a career like law where, you know, it's common to, you hope to find a place where you're happy and you stay long-term, but a lot of people bounce around to different positions and there's so many different things you can do with, with the law degree. So you never know how one conversation or one relationship will pay off for you in the future. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, There's also always a big element of luck. Like you said, you'll never know what uh, what conversation will bring you some certain way. But I also know that, you know, if, if you talk to more people, the more people you talk to, the more chances you'll get at having that groundbreaking conversation that will kind of bring into other things. As well, I, to to one of your points, there there is a lot of volatility with uh, with people with law degrees from from me researching to find guests for this show. People just like, they're just like, sometimes they'll work here for two years and then they'll go there for two years and they'll be a partner here and then they'll do this and do that. And I'm like, but it seems like they're having fun doing it. And, you know, I, I think that was something very eye-opening because um, I think I think in part I made this podcast because I started, as I started talking to people very early on and in my own networking experience, I guess you could call it, there were just like a lot of, there's a lot of myths. The legal field as a profession is like this big giant, you know, like Mount Olympus myth of like, you know, it's the most holy thing in the world. And and there's so much going on. And and if you don't figure this out by now, you, you won't be successful in the field. So, you know, I'm, I'm always, always more impassioned to, to, you know, talk to more people and uh and get out there and, and network a little bit more because i like i like to break down the myths i like to see you know reality as it is maybe i i could say but 
what, what, what I'm what I'm gonna ask him there, and and something that I had actually talked to you about previously, I think it was last year. We we were texting with each other, but um, I remember asking you what what you wanted to do because I was on my own little my own little path. I was trying to figure out, you know, for like a three month span of like, oh my god, like I have to figure out what I want to do in law school before I go. And I had asked you, and you're like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> and it blew yeah. my mind. So can you kind of talk about? that fact not knowing what you want to do with the law and kind of discuss how you know your kind of path to finding out what you wanted to do yeah no that, that's a great question and it's important for people to hear um especially people who are, are going into law school and are a little bit worried about that and you know like you said myths there are a lot of myths about law school and, and the legal field and i definitely think that you know the idea that you need to know exactly what type of law you want to do or what position you want to have after law school, before even being in law school is definitely one of those myths. Um, for me, going into law school, um, you know, as, as you know, there, there are kind of two main, I guess, areas of law to choose from. You can do more litigation focused work. You can do kind of corporate transactional work. Um, and coming into law school, you know, I, I, to be honest, I barely knew the difference between the two, you know, um, <laughs> so definitely didn't wouldn't be able to choose between the two if that was the case. Um, but you definitely do not have to. Um, for me, my first year, um, I think, you know, my favorite classes were I liked civil procedure, which is obviously litigation focused. I, I really liked um, legal practice, which was, you know, legal writing, legal research, Westlaw, Lexus kind of stuff. Um, so th for those reasons, because I enjoyed those classes the most, um, I kind of gravitated a little bit toward the, the litigation side of things and, but still not a hundred percent sure. Um, but like I said, that was the reason why I kind of honed in on a judicial internship for one else summer, because that's litigation related. Um, and I think that, you know, how much I enjoyed that position too, I gravitated even more toward the litigation side of things. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, you don't have to know what you want to do before first year of law school, you know, even applying to firms for your 2L position, firms don't ask you exactly what you want to do. Um, one of the reasons I picked Davis Polk was Davis Polk summer program is completely open market, which means you don't have to apply to be a litigation summer associate or a corporate summer associate. You can literally, you know, week by week request different assignments. You know, uh, so for example, my first week I could request an M&A assignment. Maybe that lasts me two weeks and then I didn't really enjoy it. So week three, I asked for a civil litigation assignment. So that I really liked that about Davis Polk because by then I was I was somewhat sure about litigation, but I still wanted to try a little bit of everything. And, and I think that transactional and corporate work, it's very different from what you do and what you learn in law school. It's hard to really know whether you like it or not until you actually try it in the real world. Um, which makes that it, it's near impossible uh, to make that decision before you actually have some experience. And from that networking that I did and speaking with people at firms, I think from the firm's perspective, it's almost, you know, not stranger, but it's almost more unique to hear from an applicant who knows exactly what they want to do. You know, it's much more common for people to come in open-minded, wanting to try new things. Um, and so that that's where I was at. And that was one of the things that drew me to Davis Polk. And so I did a little bit of everything in this past summer. I did some M&A stuff. I did a lot of litigation stuff. Um, and I did enjoy the, the transactional stuff, but I enjoyed the litigation stuff um, even more. And, and it kind of confirmed that decision in my mind. And then 
when, um, you know, accepting the offer, that was, that was finally when I did have to give an answer of what I wanted to do, but you know, that's the end of your 2L summer. So anytime before that, you know, I'm sure it's helpful if you come in knowing, but you don't have to, you know, unless you really, really have, you know, a background in something, say it's IP law, you have a science background or something like that. And you're really, you know, focused and confident about that. Then you follow that path and, and that's, that's great. But if you don't, there's no pressure at all to to kind of rush that decision. You you actually answered a question that I was going to ask. You just answered it because um, I I always ask people about a positive experience and a negative experience, but you did it for me. Um, at, obviously, at your experience at uh, Davis Polk and Wardwell, you you know you didn't like the transactional stuff, but it is I also find fascinating that the internships are literally built around that fact. The fact that you you know. That even the legal field itself, from from the outside, people are always freaking out. I need to find out. But within it, they're like, we know people don't know, so we're going to give them the chance to to actually try it themselves. Because um, yep. I think that's the biggest thing that I kind of found. Um, you know, talking to people is that they always said like, you know, I really wanted to be a trial lawyer, and then I worked with someone who was doing trials. And I was like, I never want to do this again for the rest of my life. Um, nothing against trials. It's just, you know, it's it's not fulfilling work. You don't enjoy it. And and I think especially with, with the legal field, it's it's a big commitment. Um, you know, you, you're going to do this for a very long time, I would assume. So, you know, what, what you choose going forward is kind of what's going to be your thing. Because, you know, even I, I in, in a previous episode with uh, Patrick Eckler, he, he was a partner at um i forget in the law firm but he he kept talking about the fact that um you know it's it, it, the the legal field becomes very specialized but it also becomes sort of it's it's ever moving it's always in motion there's always new laws being passed and there's always new statutes and there's always new things that lawyers have to worry about so I, 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 what I ask you is, is obviously you have a focus in litigation now and congratulations on the position at Davis Polk and Warball coming, coming down the pipeline here after your 3L year. Uh, what what kind of drew you towards being in litigation? Uh, what were kind of the factors towards that decision? Yeah, I think just the classes that I enjoyed in law school, like I said, legal writing and research. Um at Georgetown, there's uh, there's something called the Law Fellow Program, um, which is where your, your your second year, you can apply to basically be like a tutor in a legal research class, and you have a group of like eight to ten one L students, and you help them with their with their memos and and their legal writing and their legal research. And I did that, and I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed the judicial internship. And it's really it's really just kind of the type of work you enjoy, like. I think the corporate and transactional field, um, it's very different from what you're doing in law school. And it's cool. It's its like, you know, it's very exciting. It's a little bit more fast paced than the litigation process. And and there's, uh, you know, there's big deals that are in the news. And and I, I think that stuff is really, really cool for, for people who are interested in that. But I really enjoy like the law school process. Like I like reading cases. I like researching on Westlaw. I like writing memos and, and, and writing, you know, argumentatively and persuasively. Um, and that's, you know, that's the litigation field. And so that, that's kind of what drew me to it. And you know what, I haven't, I haven't done it as a full-time job yet. So hopefully that stays true, but 
you know, that, that I've just been kind of drawn to that side of things. And, and, um, that was kind of confirmed for me this past summer. Um, and it's nothing against the, the, the corporate, um, practice. I, like I said, it's, it's, that's really interesting work. Um, but I've liked litigation up to this point and I'm confident that I will, uh, at the firm as well. Yeah. As they say, only, only time will tell now, but I have, I have to ask, is it, is it, is, is it, focus towards anything specifically like are you planning to be a trial lawyer or are you only uh, honestly I don't know how it works so can you can you sort of describe like what what would I know you don't know your day-to-day but do you have like a rough idea of what it maybe could be yeah so at uh Davis Polk every firm does it differently at Davis Polk um I believe they have four main uh litigation practices they have white collar civil litigation antitrust and IP litigation. And, but if you're a litigation associate, your first three or four years, you're just general lit. So you can do any of those. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have preferences, you can request work in certain specific areas. If I go in and I, I really want to do mostly antitrust work, I can request that. and, And I'm likely to get mostly antitrust work, but three or four years, you're, I think it's four, you're just general, a general lit associate. After that, you get you can choose and specialize in just one. So after your fourth year, you can just be an antitrust associate or a civil litigation associate. So um, I'm mostly interested at as of now in white collar and civil lit. Mm-hmm. So that's likely to be mostly what I'll do when I start. Um, at least that's what I'll you know if I do request something specific, that's what it would be. But I like that you know similar to that open market summer program, I like that it's kind of an open market lit program for the for the young associates where you can kind of try a little bit of everything and you don't have to specialize from the start. And, you know, my hope is that after a year or two, I say, wow, like I really love white collar. You know, I want to do this as, you know, long term or whatever it may be. Uh, if it's antitrust, it may even be IP. Um, but every firm does it differently. Some firms do that for their corporate work too. Some firms you have to, you know, declare a litigation specialization from the start. But um, so I'll just be general lit for a few years and and hopefully pick up something that that I really like out of those practice areas. Would you ever be physically in the courtroom? Um, I think it definitely takes at least a couple of years to get it get to that um, position. But but you know, you never know. I mean, I mean, every case has a team of lawyers on it from first year lawyers to, to a partner or two. So if that case goes to trial, everybody has a role and you may find yourself in the courtroom early on. So I guess I'll find out that'd be a cool experience, but we'll see. Have Have you ever done any moot court or mock trial or anything like that? I haven't. No, no. The only thing I did I've done at Georgetown was, was that law fellow program um, and, and journal, but I haven't done moot court or mock trial. Part of the reason I didn't do that was, like I said, coming into into my one L year, I wasn't like completely sure about litigation or corporate, and I didn't want to sign up and then realize that I didn't like it and I wanted to do corporate work, and then I'm doing mock trial or moot court for three years with where <laughs> you know it's it's not something I want to do in the future, and that's not to like dissuade people from trying that out, even if they're not 100 percent sure. But that was kind of my thought process um, as far as those things. Yeah, I actually, I actually just unfortunately, I not a, I, you know, it's bittersweet. <laughs> but I, I recently just retired from the uh, the U Albany mock trial team. Shout out to them; they're all amazing people over there. We uh, we came we came in second place at our at our tournament. Our last, wow! Yeah, my last my last ride. I was uh, a <laughs> passionate performance by me, um, but everyone did so well. I I personally love mock trial. It That's is, great. It is definitely a lot of work though. Um, 
you know, I was, I, I'll be honest. I was slacking a little bit this semester. I hope, I hope, I hope the team's not listening. Um, <laughs> I was one of the coaches even, which makes it even worse. But um, you know, we still, we still went out there, still came in second place. So you know, a win's a win. You you walk away with that. Um, so I, I just had to ask those questions. But so, your three L year so far. How has it been? Can you sort of describe how how what the third year in law school is like for the people out there? Yeah, you know, it's a weird transition from 2L summer to coming back to school um, 3L fall because, and it depends what type of work you do 2L summer, but for me and for people who do, who work at these big law firms over the summer, it, it, it kind of feels like you're starting your career. You know, you're in the office every day, you're going to, to big fancy lunches, you're doing cool yeah. events at night. And, and you know, for me, I was living in New York City, um, which is, you know, where I'll be when I finish law school. It kind of felt like I was starting my career already. But then, you know, so this, this semester rolls around and you're back in class. So it's kind of a it's kind of a funny transition. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good semester. Um, coming into the my 3L year, I had 27 credits left. And so I took I did I did 15 in the fall just so I, I only had uh, 12 left for the spring. So it wasn't like an easy 3L semester, at least for the fall. Um, I, I was pretty busy, um, but it was good. And now I only have 12 left for the spring. And um, I'm taking at Georgetown, we have, they're called week one courses. So like the week before classes officially start, there are some courses that you can take that are Monday through Friday. Um, they're either one or two credits. So I'm taking a two credit week one that starts next Monday. So then I'll, I'll only have 10 left for the spring semester. So, um, the fall, even though I'm a three, I was, it was pretty busy. I had four exams. Um, you know, there was a lot going on, but, um, I think the spring I'll be, uh, at least by March, April, I'll be riding off into the sunset a little bit. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> that's good to hear. I mean, listen, it, it is your last semester. You are graduating. So, you know, might, might as well do it well. But I, right. have to go, I have to go back and I have to ask about your experience because I totally forgot to say that when I was talking about your summer, your, uh, your, your summer associate position, you were living in New York City. How was how the experience of going to work? I don't know. Did you work in a tall building? These are important questions. To me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tall. It was neat. You know, it's New York, so they're all pretty tall. <laughs> what, what floor were you getting off at? I have to ask. Uh, so my firm, it's, it's their building. Um, they don't use every, uh, every floor, but I think, uh, my, my office, I shared an office with, uh, an associate. I think we're on the 20, 24th floor. So yeah, um, it, was, it was up there. How was the view beautiful? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially from some offices. I mean, I didn't spend too much time in, uh, in the partner's offices, but I think <laughs> they got some, they got some pretty nice views there. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, I always like I was telling Nick before before we started the podcast that this this past weekend for New Year's, I went to Times Square. I saw the ball drop. It was very nice. But whenever I'm in New York City, there's always just this vibe. It's always hustling and bustling. You know, I was walking around like 3 a.m. and people are honking at the traffic somehow. I still don't understand how that happens. Um but, you know, I, I think I, I just wanted to ask that because I feel like like walking to work everything's going on you probably got your suit on you got your briefcase you feel like the man and i just you could feel like the man walking down the street in new york city with all these people walking around you probably get your headphones on you get some good music on you're like oh i'm so ready to go how what like can you describe that experience because i'm so interested 
Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I love New York City. I love kind of, you know, being part of the commute in the morning and being part of the commute coming home. And there's so many people and it depends on the type of person you are. Some people don't like that, you know, that vibe and, and the crowds and everything, but I like that. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, I've always loved New York City. I always loved going in there growing up and, you know, being from Long Island. It's just a cool place. So, um, and I was fortunate enough. I, I actually, I lived with my brother over the summer because he had um, an internship, an accounting internship, so which was like a few blocks away from my office. So um, we lived with each other for a few months and and we were, uh, we both were able to walk to work. So the convenience of that and just mm-hmm. kind of living that close to, to, you know, being right in Midtown and you're right. I mean, the commute and just, just being a part of like the whole vibe of the city. <laughs> I've been, I've been to a lot of places, a lot of, a lot of cities. I absolutely love DC. I'm going to miss it there, but for me, nothing compares to New York city. I mean, like you said, you could walk out at 2 AM and it's like the middle of the day there. Um, it's just a very unique place. And I, I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to getting back. It's so, it never sleeps. It really doesn't. I was there and I was like, wow, this place just keeps going and going. I know it was New Year's, so it was a little different, but like even then, like I was like, this is crazy. I still can't believe people were honking at each other at 3 a.m. It's like, <laughs> like guys, where are we all going? Um, but I, 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 and, and to go to DC too, I mean, I mean, can you describe that? I mean, you're at the Capitol. There's so much going on. Like, you know, it's the it's the epicenter of, of the politics of, of the United States of America. Can you sort of describe how that experience was kind of adjusting from from the suburban Long Island lifestyle that I know all too well? <laughs> yeah, D.C. is amazing. I, I really love it there. Um you know, Georgetown University, the undergrad is in Georgetown, which is kind of outside the city. Um, that's a beautiful area, but but not as like urban. You know, it's not it's not in the city. It's not downtown D.C. Um, uh, so, but the law school is in downtown D.C. It's right in the city. So I live in the city. Uh, you know, like you said, I'm a walk from the mall, from the Capitol building, the White House. So just just being a, being around all those things and growing up, I mean, both of my parents were social studies teachers, um, you know, so we growing up, we took a few trips to D.C. just to, you know, soak in the history and the monuments, memorials and all that kind of. Th- so living this close to, to all that stuff for the last three years, it's just I'm very fortunate. It's been a great experience. And and, you know being a resident there for three years. And and so now being able to kind of go back there in the future and, oh, this is where I lived, you know, this is where I ate, you know, just, just kind of having kind of like a secondary city like that is really cool. And, uh, you know, I'm going to miss it. I'm looking forward to being back home, but, but definitely going to miss DC. Yeah. I, I, I can only imagine. I've actually, I've never been to Washington DC before. I got, I got, oh, you got to go. I got to get down there. I've never seen the white house, the Capitol building. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing all that stuff. Obviously it's, it, it, it has a immense part of our uh, American history here. Cause obviously that's where the president sits and, and, you know, Congress and the, and the Supreme court, you know, all the biggest decisions ever that have been ever made, you know, changing this country so that's what i'm 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 just as interested in the history as yeah. your two parents were because i'm i'm fascinated by it um but sort of switching gears a little bit i i want to ask if there were any books or articles that help you through law school even if it's not law school do you have any book recommendations for the audience out there i'm more <laughs> interested yeah, I mean that—that's a question that I remember asking and like looking up on Reddit and, and Google <laughs> like the, the summer before law school. It's like, what should I read? What do I need to do to prepare? And like, I remember reading like 
don't read anything. Just go to the beach and go do what you want to do because in the next three years, you're going to be working really hard. And so that would, that would be my first answer is you really, there's nothing that can really prepare you. And, and the reason being like each class, like you, you know, by now it's, it's, it's uh, most classes, hundred percent of the grade is the exam. So it's like, what matters is what happens in class, what's in the textbook, you know, you can read things to prepare and what to expect, but every professor is going to be different. And the only thing that's going to matter as far as grades is what the professor says in class, you know? So um, it, it, it's, there's definitely a limit to what you can do to prepare. There was a, a book I read. I think I, I think I texted it to you when you reached out last year, getting to maybe that, that was a good one. If you want to like know what to expect as far as how the usual class experiences and, and the usual exam questions, but definitely like, no recommended or no required reading before law school because it's just it's it's different than what you've done before and and really different from what you can prepare for but um yeah that that was a book i remember reading beforehand and it was pretty helpful but just uh that summer before you know i'm i'm sure you you you're you're always doing something so you'll be working or or doing something but other than that relax as much as you can because it is hard work once you get started i i absolutely will be don't worry about that but it uh... <laughs> I I ask again though. Any just books uh for life in general. I'm a I'm a reader. I'm always looking for book recommendations. Okay. Every day of my life. Do you got any? Any of your favorites? What's your favorite? Yeah. So I my favorite like nonfiction. It's it's a sports book, but it's it's an autobiography called Open. It's uh it's Andre Agassi who was a tennis player, and it's it's about his career, but it's also just about like his mindset, some of the mental difficulties he had, you know, tennis is such a, a challenging sport mentally. Cause it's just you out there. So there's a lot of like self-coaching and self-talk and that kind of thing. And, and the work that goes in and the discipline. So I think I ended up reading that twice. I liked it so much. So <laughs> as far as nonfiction, that, that, that was, um, that was a really good book and a lot of good life lessons in there. So open, open by Andre Agassi is, it was a really good one. Yeah. I'll be completely honest. That was like, the last thing I would expect to come out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> and that's, I, now I have to read it because it sounds very niche. I don't even know who Andre Agassi is. Um, I don't watch a lot of tennis though. So maybe that's that. But I, young. I, I, I always got, I always got my books on hand. I got, I got my niche on me right now. I'm a there philosophy major. So it's like almost, it's almost like if I don't have a bedside philosophical book, it's like, you're not even a real philosophy major. Um, but I, you know, it was, it, was, it was a free time thing at first. I wasn't even a philosophy major at first. We, you were a political science. What went into that? The political science major, I have to ask. Yeah, I mean, Stony Brook didn't have like a pre-law program. So mm-hmm. as far as the majors that were available, I felt like that was the most closely related to, you know, law school or, or what goes into that. I was a political science major and a history minor um you know social studies was always my favorite subject i wasn't going to be a math major i liked math but <laughs> probably wasn't you know wasn't going to be what i what i wanted to spend four years at stony brook doing and wasn't science or anything like that so um you know i think other than political science like for law school like the business majors are, are potentially helpful depending on what type of work you want to do in the legal field but you know ph- philosophy political science those sort of things where you're reading um and kind of like that reading comprehension and long form writing and that kind of thing. Um, I just felt like it was the most related to uh, my future in law school if if pre-law wasn't, avail- wasn't available. Yeah, I know. I know you're always getting straight A's. So 
you know, what I have to ask because this is more because I'm in college right now. I get it. Um, for the political science, are you more of a political theory guy or more of a political science guy? <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to to give you a, a, a good answer on that one. <laughs> it's, it's always the time tested question. I, if I were to give my personal opinion on the podcast right now, I I despise. I don't. It's not like a hate. Like oh my god, I hate everyone who does it. But political science, I can't get through it. I love political theory because it's just philosophy. So. You know, I I get to backdoor some stuff, you know, through through my classes. It's like, all right, I'm done with my major. I'm going to I'm going to not do philosophy. And then I just end up doing philosophy again. And it's a it's a big giant cycle. I just had to ask because that's always (laughs) everyone's always uh, I don't know why, but there's always the big fight. And I'm just like, why can't we all be friends? Political science (laughs) and political theorists will get together one day and, and understand. Um. So what's what's been uh, what's been your favorite part of law school so far? Hmm. I would say number one is probably just being in D.C. Everything I've said so far about the city, just like very fortunate to have three years living right in the city. You know, um, if I'm tired of reading or studying or whatever it is, being able to walk 15 minutes to see the Lincoln Memorial or, you know, go look at the White House or just kind of being in the middle of everything that goes on there is like really, uh, really cool and going to be good memories to look back on. Um, Very fortunate about the people I've met. Um, Georgetown Law has, uh, they actually have a softball team or softball club. Um, Every Friday we go and practice. So I did that, um, you know, from the beginning. And then I think, I think the first time I went there, um, my one L fall was where I met like my closest group of friends that I'm still close with today. And, you know, they'll, they'll be lifelong friends of mine. So some of the relationships that I've, um, you know, made there, um, very fortunate, but yeah, I, I think beyond that, just like learning from really, really impressive faculty and like having those connections that I know will help me going forward and just kind of having these memories of being in a really cool city at like a very prestigious school that, um, you know, if you had told me that, you know, especially like going into my freshman year at Stony Brook, if you had told me that a few years in the future, I'd be graduating from Georgetown Law, you know, I would have been blown away. So just overall, really cool experience. That's going to be really fun to look back on. Did, did they let, could you go a hundred percent on the softball field or did they like <laughs> <light> 50? <laughs> it dep- it kind of depends on the, um, the crowd we get at, at practice. <laughs> we usually, we usually divide into like a fun field and a competitive field and, and the competitive field we have, we have some pretty good players actually every, uh, April UVA law hosts uh, a law school softball tournament, which is like the best weekend of the year. They get like 30 to 40 schools from really all over the country that come just for that weekend. And, uh, and that's really fun. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy that Georgetown law has that, has that program and that I've been able to meet most of my close friends doing that. Yeah. The, the, the law school, one of, one of the things I've, I've actually discovered through doing this podcast is that the vast kind of network of, of law school sports that goes on the first episode I had a Justin Davis on he's from Albany law. He actually founded the Albany law basketball club and they went to like this tournament. He said there was like 60 law schools there. They're playing like full 5v5. There was a there was a trophy at the end. They came in like second or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was, my mind was just blown because I was like, 
you know, listen, all these people that are going to law school, they're clearly, they're clearly pretty smart. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they're getting together and making all these tournaments because, you know, you, you put all right. these people in a room, it's like, okay, you know, they're going to get some stuff done. Right. Um, so I, I was always fascinated by that. Now I got, I got last two questions. First question was a new one. I didn't, I didn't ask it in the last episode. I asked it in the episode before that, but I, I it's a new question. Cause I heard someone say it on a podcast and I was like, Oh, I want to say that on my own podcast. Uh, so it's going to come out a little weird, but let me explain. Okay. What, what are the kind of things that you're, are you uh, consuming on a day-to-day basis? Not food, um, but you know, <laughs> social media, you know, you know, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, like whatever you're reading, you know, any podcasts you listen to, you know, what, what sort of things are, are you consuming in your, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be boring and predictable, but it's mostly sports-related stuff. Um, <laughs> as as far as social media, it's really mostly Twitter. I, re- I really don't spend much time on Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that anymore. Um, it's mostly Twitter, and even on Twitter, it's mostly like sports news or world news or, or that kind of thing. That's kind of just my news source. I don't know if that's um, a good thing or not, but um, that's that's where most of my social media energy goes. Um, and then like po- podcasts, I don't listen to too many podcasts. I, I like Pardon My Take. Um, yeah. That's a sports one. Um, and mostly like I, I like The Athletic is a sports website. So I, if I'm, you know, killing time at home or, or want to read up on something, uh, I spend a lot of time on The Athletic. Um, but that's kind of, you know, and like I said, it's predictable, but as far as like getting my, it's very important. And, you know, it was important for me as an athlete where you put as much time in as you can and you empty the tank during the day, but then you need to step away and you need to get your mind away from it. It's the same thing in law school. You know, you can, you can only read so much until you hit a dead end and and you you can't force it. You got to walk away and do something. So if it's not, you know, going for a walk to the mall or, or, or somewhere in DC, um, you know, I watch the Knicks, I watch the Yankees, I watch Islanders, Giants. I just, you know, that's that's kind of my relaxing time at night is just being able to sit down at seven, eight o'clock and you know, watch a game and and kind of scroll through scroll through t- Twitter, ho- hopefully not too much. But um, yeah, that that's that's the my the majority of my non-law school consumption is uh is is sports stuff. I mean, listen. You think your your answer is boring, unimaginative? There is beauty in simplistic in simplicity, Nick Grande. They do not That's work. Right. That's I, right. I I I I I applaud the simplicity because you know what? Listen, simple life. You just you know what you got to do when the when you're unraveling, when you're like, all right, I'm just chilling out now. You know what you got to do. You know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with the Bill Simmons article. You know, <laughs> it's it's my kind of liking, and I like that um what else was I, oh, I forgot what i was gonna say um oh, i i totally forgot what i was gonna say anyway this is the last question or no not the last question second to last question is it the, whatever so when you're not doing law school when you're not working at your summer associate what does an ideal friday night or sunday morning look for nick Grande? um well, Friday night in my in my old age now, um, <laughs> uh, I like to kind of relax. I mean, you know, not always just relax. Like I said, I have a great group of friends at Georgetown. We have places in D.C. in the city that we love to go, you know, have a drink, watch a game, that sort of thing. Just something low key like that is great. Um, my girlfriend, Erin, just moved in with me in D.C., so 
we'll put a movie on, we'll take a nice walk around the city. Um, just low key stuff like that. Again, boring, but um, <laughs> that's just kind of like, like, as you'll learn, you know, in, in law school, you only get so much downtime and it's really important to kind of use it to your advantage and use it to decompress and catch your breath and, and recharge your battery. So, um, you know, if there's a game on and I'm going to watch with my friends and, and just kind of hang out and talk about the day, talk about the week, um, you know, as much as I said, you have to kind of worry about yourself as, as much as you can in law school. It is important to have, you know, that support system and, and those, even if it's a small group of people who are going through the same thing that you're going through, just being able to have those things in common and talk through them if, if they do come up. Um, that's always important. And that's something that I'll definitely miss about DC is, is, you know, being on your own schedule as a student and, and getting to take those Thursday or Friday nights to, to go sit down, have a drink and watch a game or, or Sunday mornings walking around the city. Um, but yeah, low key, low key stuff like that. Um, that's like what I look forward to and what even kind of, you know, to an extent motivates you to get through a day of, you know, reading a, a law school textbook for, for five, six hours or, or whatever it is. And, and looking forward to doing those things to, to kind of, you know, take the edge off a little bit and decompress. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to give this to you when you write your book and you're big and famous, it <laughs> needs to be called beauty and simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> It will be the title. You don't have to attribute it to me. I'm giving it to you. You have full right because you're really, it's a it's it's a simple. It, you live a very simple life, and I and I very much enjoy it because there's not you know it, it it keeps it keeps it structured. I sometimes I struggle with that. You know, I'm a very I'm a very unstructured guy. I don't. I have like to do lists, but they're like you know they're they're just there. <laughs> they just yeah. stare at me at the wall. Um, so, you know, sometimes I just, it, it's, it's, it's best, especially for preparing for law school, I guess I'm doing it, but especially for preparing for law school, you know, kind of have it set out what you're going to do, have blocks of time set out, okay, I'm working here. And then obviously you have your decompressing time and, um, I'll look to do it a little more simply like you, Nick Grande. Look, now, one of the, one of the most important lessons I've learned is, you know, you need to learn as much about yourself as early as you can. Because, you know, as it's it, good decision making is very important and you're, you're more likely to make the right decision if you make it in accordance with like the person you are. And, you know, I think that goes back to like why athletes and student athletes and, and my experiences give me a little bit of an advantage when you're, you have those long bus rides, you have that alone time, you have those hours spent in the weight room or in the batting cage, you, you're forced to learn a lot about yourself. How much can you handle? How well do you work with others? How, you know, how do you react to adversity? The the sooner that you, or what routine works for you, the sooner you learn that about yourself and then you can kind of mold your life according to who you are, the better chance you're going to have. Because if you make decisions or you try to, you know, plan things out based on who you hope to be or who you wish you were, that's when things can kind of, you know, go awry a little bit for you. So if you know who you are, it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, make a plan that that that's going to work out for you, I think. So two things there. First, I know you probably never read philosophy in your life, but like that, that was just, you, you're giving <laughs> the truths out here and I love it so much. But as well, you not that you stole the last question, but we were on to the last question, which I said a while ago, I had two questions. Now it's three. I got to go back <laughs> to accounting school. But I was going to ask you, Nick Grande, what are your words of wisdom 
for the audience. Uh, but you gave a little bit. You gave a little bit there. And I ruined then, it. No, you didn't ruin it. You <laughs> could you could give even more wisdom. So what are what are your words of wisdom for the audience on top of the words of wisdom you just gave? <laughs> yeah, if I if I could take that all back, I would I would answer that way uh, <laughs> to, to this question. But um, yeah, I, I think like the best advice. Well, one of the best advices I've gotten is just like to live in the moment. You know, I think it's like a common question people ask in interviews or on podcasts or whatever, like three to five years from now, where do you see yourself? It's it's so hard to answer that specifically. You got to do what you can do one day at a time and trust that if you do the right thing, you work hard, you treat people the right way, things will work out, you know? And, and like I said earlier, um, just to bring it back to my own experiences, if you had told me as a freshman at Stony Brook that I'd be playing for the in the Arizona Diamondbacks system three years from then, I wouldn't have believed you. If you had told me when I was on a bus, you know, in the middle of Idaho, that two years from then I'd be at Georgetown Law, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's it's very hard to it's great to and you know, this is not to say not to set your goals high or, or to set specific goals, but just if you take things one day at a time and trust that hard work doing things the right way, treating people the right way, that things will work out for you. Um, hopefully more often than not, they will. So that would that would be my advice. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, Nick Grande. If someone told me I had a podcast five years ago, I would probably <laughs> slap them in the face. And that's the podcast. Nick Grande, thank you for coming on today. I very much enjoyed this conversation. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.